You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Lacrosse Boots. Now, if you guys don't know, you should know that lacrosse is more than just a rubber boot company. Recently, they have expanded to a more traditional hiking hunting boot with their Navigator series. And this Navigator ha- Navigator series has two different types. They have the Windrows for both men and women, and then they also have the Atlas series, which is what I wore all through the rut here in Iowa. So if you want to find out more about their new Navigator series boots, check out Lacrosse Footwear. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith and Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Welcome back, guys. Thanks for joining us once again. Happy uh, Thanksgiving, too. Yeah, that's right. Did it you is, not introduce that the last podcast? Uh, no, I didn't. I forgot about it because we recorded. Wasn't even thinking about it. Well, it snuck up on a, on uh, me for sure. I just go sitting here pre-recording. I'm like, man, it is, holy cow, it's really Thanksgiving this, this week. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, Nikki and I, we were just talking about this today. Uh course we had our daughter in between thanksgiving and christmas last year and i just remember her at thanksgiving course she had gestational diabetes so she was really (laughs) upset about not being able to eat all this different types of foods right and uh at the same time she was very pregnant and just uncomfortable pregnant mm-hmm. and we drove to my to my grandparents place and i just remember like my goodness this the baby groaning this baby <laughs> when it gets here it's gonna be a relief and yeah it was a different pain there for the next yeah. couple of months of not sleeping but yeah it's amazing how quickly a year went so and that is so true and amazing how honestly i think when late summer through the fall it's has absolutely been a blur and uh, i know a lot of people are like probably in the same boat of man this is just flown by this this whether it's season or just portion of portion of the year it's like where the heck did it go but yeah we're gonna be on the road like crazy here in no time i no mean time. i've got a consult in two weeks i think yep here in missouri and um, then next couple days is uh one in kansas and then another fo- follow-up like meeting um and then, and then and after bore. Christmas is 100% full yeah, bore. And then we've got <laughs> uh, things to look out for. We, we're going to be back at the National Wild Turkey Federation. Yes. Uh, and it appears we are going to have a booth in kind of a unique setup. Yep. Um, Working with. We don't know much about that yet, but we it appears we'll have a podcast booth. Yep. And so we will have some hats there. Uh, we won't be selling them in the booth. We'll be. Hopefully jumping in another booth for a little while, but anyway, um, that's that's gonna be a lot of fun. Honestly, I, I always be. look we always look forward to that event anyhow. But um, it is a good chance to get out and meet a lot of folks, and hopefully, you guys can uh, make it up for the event. There's always something to do, or just a bunch for the family too. So it's not just a a guys' weekend, or it doesn't have to be. Let's say. Yep. Um. So. Uh, guys, you know, guys and gals that listen to the podcast, Thanksgiving this week. Please step back from our hardcore hunting and take some time to enjoy the holiday, be with your families, and uh, be thankful for what we have here, not only in each family, but in this wonderful country that we're in. So Absolutely. Uh, and I think the other thing, too, to kind of sit back and be thankful is we we can take, let's say, the gift of land and property just having access to be able to go onto it you do not have to own it at all whether it's a landowner that's giving you permission just to be able to get out there and have that escape and learn the way we're able to learn very hands-on um utilize that as a as a getaway as a playground um 
my gosh, that is a gift. I mean, it's 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 awesome to be able to just step away from things and whether it's turn a cell phone off, but just be out there. Um, use that time wisely and enjoy it. Be thankful for it. For sure. So, um, trying to think of any other announcements. We, we do need to say something. Um, I've had this question a few times. We talk a, we talk a lot about go check check out the other podcasts or things like that. We're all of our podcasts are hosted right here on um, Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, either yep. on our own channel, our own RSS feed, or on the Sportsman's Nation one. Um, if you don't want to be alerted for all the podcasts on Sportsman's Nation, subscribe to our podcast or our our RSS feed on iTunes. Yep. And you'll be alerted every time we drop. We drop two podcasts a week, one that's usually focused on hunting, one that's usually habitat, or the one that goes habitat or hunting once hunting season is really kind of over. We kind of talk all kinds of different stuff. But at the same time, we have two podcasts, same channel. There's no other place to catch our podcast other than here. Um, so you're not missing out. There's not a vault somewhere with all kinds of Land and Legacy podcasts that you've never heard somewhere else. But Lord knows there's enough to go back and listen to. Oh or or <laughs> if, if you've missed out, there there's plenty to catch up on. Um, so I think people probably think we're crazy because we do two podcasts every single week. We're going to mm-hmm. be doing more and more videos. And... It's like, how do you run, not run out of content? And I'm like, I sit here. There's times where it's like, oh, I don't know what to talk about. But I've got like five in my head right now. That oh, yeah. There's like five five big things that subcategories that all go into a podcast. Where I, I bet you I could sit down right now and write out 15 different podcasts Oh yeah, that we need to knock out I that would probably just... stir up <clears throat> some more content. And I think that that's the thing of, Guys, you know, we talk a lot and and cover a lot of different topics, and there's a lot of elements to things that we will will bring back into a discussion that you may have may have heard us talk about before. But I think that those are those are let's say the key points, the the nails to drive home on a lot of these discussions or the examples that we use time and time again because they kind of they make the points. And it's kind of like, well, it's here's here's some more irrefutable evidence of the points we're trying to make and yeah. the, and the let's say the the picture that we're trying to paint because a lot of the times and how many times do we deal with this when we get onto a property and talking with a landowner is listen what you have right now and what your neighborhood looks like right now what we're wanting to create what we're needing to create is something you have not most likely seen no. or that isn't present so we try our hardest and again it this is an audio file not a picture not a video so we're trying to do our best to paint these pictures of of the disturbances the properties what the landscape looks like what the habitat looks like so we do touch and hit a lot of a lot of similar things but it's it's to you know again drive home these points of we want to create something that isn't out there because that most of the habitat is relatively poor we, we we talk about it a lot, and we're going to talk yep. about it on this podcast too, because boy, we've got some examples. Go. <laughs> Generally speaking, there's places, and I will say some of the best habitat I've seen. If I'm just driving down the road, or we're on a consult, or headed to a consult, we're just driving down the road, and all of a sudden we're like, "Whoa, look at that!" It's like, "Oh, that's public land." Oh, that's that's a state that's a state conservation area. Mm-hmm. And then we'll drive through states and not see really anything that catches our eye and it's because habitat is so poor yeah uh, there's not a lot of diversity among our our landscape anymore and there used to be and that's really what we're trying to do and and uh my gosh if you if we're five minutes into this podcast you already heard the diversity word and uh you'll hear it for the for the remainder of land and legacy into the long haul when we're gray bearded and no hair on top of our head, it's all coming out our ears. You'll hear us <laughs> preaching diversity. Um, and nose. And, and nose. I already got that. And so it's like um, so many examples, so many things. I mean, last week we talked to several of our clients. Yep. And I think 
almost any client we have on this podcast will tell you that we talk a lot about diversity and a couple of the guys I talked to, we talked betting thickets and um, those temporary forced openings. Uh, Same thing, whatever you want to call them. Clear cuts. Wildlife opening. Whatever you want to call them. Just cut out an area in the timber. And they all rave about, my gosh, that is one of the biggest, most impactful things I did on my farm in in this past year. And we got another one. You'll read a text here in a little while or maybe save it for a future podcast. But um, just an incredible amount of diversity can be added to your property just by doing these things that we recommend. And uh, and that's where you can, you know, we, we use our kind of home turf as a way of saying this is what we're looking for. And we've still got a long ways to go, but I think if you were to every, – any road hunter, we're right here coming up on the – this podcast will release on the last day of Missouri firearm season. Any guy who drove through the gravel road next to the farm, I'm sure their eyes went, whoa, that looks a lot different. God. And yeah, and because you know they were looking out the window, (laughs) (laughs) they weren't looking at the road. No, they'd be like, "Hey, did you know this road was paved? I don't remember this road being paved, but I do know that looks different than everything else we've driven by today." Oh yeah, and uh, and so it's definitely if you were to go and inventory the amount of plants on one of the areas we're talking about, the woodland restoration, versus inside the closed canopy forest, just right up the valley. It would be just astronomical difference amount of exponential. Plants. I mean, yeah. uh, you're you're talking hundreds of species versus twenty to thirty. Yeah. By the way, that's called purple three on that grass that we saw down there oh, at yeah. this place. Really? Uh, apparently, it's on the it's up at the front of the farm. Uh, my brother found it last year and looked it up and huh. realized what it was. Little well, old well, short it, it, native it, grass. And, and talking to. Uh, Chad, as he was going down the road today, we were just talking about this, the same site, the same the same slope there that, that's had a lot of work that's been actively managed, is that that site compared to any other south-facing slope pretty much that is just closed canopy timber in the immediate area is you you that slope changes. Like every single week or every two weeks that you drive by it through the growing season – it's different. It is expressing something completely different. It is offering something completely different from the couple weeks prior. And that, that, again, is a direct correlation to the diversity of plant species and the amount of energy that sun gets on the ground where it can germ- where seeds can germinate. They can take off. They can grow. Sunlight produces that. And you compare that to, again, that closed canopy south-facing slope elsewhere on the property – you have the same 20 or 30 species in a given acre, and that's it all year round. It does not change. It just it is what it is. That's right. And, and you'd have to go seen as you'd believing. have to go 13 miles as a crow flies to find anything that resembles that slope that we're talking about mm-hmm. on the farm, uh, and that's that's a conservation area managed by the uh, state of Missouri. Mm-hmm. Anyway, a lot of things to talk about, but. Um, we are going to discuss something that, you know, this is, it's a great thing. Um, a lot of guys are really getting into this. Um, we kind of got back into it this week because uh, we don't do it as much, frankly, because uh, I think if you were to ask anybody, um, and they're honest with themselves about hunting whitetails, they would say they would rather have a chunk of private ground that just to themselves or where there's not as much hunting pressure. Now, hunting public land is fun, but we get, I enjoy managing and improving habitat and then hunting a piece of ground. So that's typically private ground. Um, public ground is something that a lot of guys are doing. And so Matt and I took a day uh, this week to go hunt some public ground but it wasn't just it's not it's not your normal typical public ground it wasn't just shed the camera and and so for some of you guys this was not filmed um in the state of missouri there's only a few places you can film for commercial use and since we have some partners uh and we 
could gain financially in a long roundabout way if we put this on YouTube. Um, if we film this, put this on YouTube in a long roundabout way, we could get paid. Um, then we can't film on, on a lot of state ground. So uh, to film well, on National Forest, Forest yeah. you have to get special use permits, which cost a stupid amount for uh, what you're trying to accomplish. Um, so you have to get special use permits. You can't film on state-owned ground by that's owned by the state of Missouri, so Missouri Department of Conservation. You can't film on that for commercial use. Um, and so a lot of our big, nice hunting areas in the state, we just we can't go to unless we want to just lose the cameras. Um, and so anyway, we're on National Forest. We went to a an area called a wilderness. It's actually Hercules Glade Wilderness. I don't even care to share what place we were. It's about 13,000 acres. Um, and after we talk about it, I don't anticipate people dropping everything and going to hunt it. Um, well, there's a few things that make it special. Is One, it's it's an hour away, plus or minus a little bit, from where we live. And it's one of those areas that with it being a wilderness... There's no motorized vehicles. There's no disturbances, um, no mechanical um, disturbances, whether it's chainsaw, manipulations to the habitat, to the land, nothing Leave it whatsoever. as you found it, I think, is what they, uh, what they discuss the it as. Um, yeah. So, so. You, it, it's walking 100%. Like, or, or you can take a horse and walk in on the designated trails and i don't i don't know there's probably i think there's about three or four entrances or or areas to be able to park on the place and then from there you're hoofing it into the interior um i would say there's probably five six seven ish let's say trails throughout the whole place um and, and the trails themselves are two foot wide it's not we're not talking roads you know it's it's pretty rough it's pretty remote so it doesn't attract a ton of attention because of the um access difficulties and yep. so you're you're pretty much and, and and this past week was was rifle season so it's like you know what let's just let's go gain a little bit different perspective let's go see something else let's hoof it in there um you know we can walk we can kind of still hunt around and see some ground and these these areas or you know this region specifically has the opportunity for a lot of glades and we talk about glades all the time there's these massive openings with warm season grasses forbs diverse forbs and unfortunately more cedars on this area than uh we you would ever want and we're going to get into that later on but they have the opening i mean the ability for a hunter to see a long ways um you know see deer crossing long ways long ways and uh you can go and see massive views beautiful areas beautiful landscapes but you're hunting the saddles the benches everything across these big openings um so we're like yeah, what the heck let's go let's go down there let's just try it out see what we see burn a day down there and um talk about it on the podcast because what we talk about all the time is creating and replicating disturbances. And here's a site, here's 13,000 acres in our back door that does not get that. Here, it, we're, We've got a perfect example to be able to highlight and discuss what we see and what we're, what we're obviously not seeing. Yeah, um, and this isn't true for all wilderness areas. You know, no. the Wilderness Act, 1964, they passed it and took some of these areas. And basically, it's saying, and I'm not real knowledgeable. I don't, I'm not real knowledgeable on the public lands side of things. And um, I, I think it's very clear that we're big in private lands conservation and, and helping landowners, private landowners, improve their landscape. Uh, now, a lot of this spills over into public land, but um, for this, it was turned into a wilderness area where basically stake it off and say no mechanical means and no real activity other than hiking, horseback riding, hunting, bird watching, whatever. bird watching, and that's it. So even, and I would love to have my brother on this podcast to talk about some of the, because this is one of the areas he used to work. 
uh, since he works for the U.S. Forest Service. But even that's, if that's a, funny, if a fire can't get, what do you mean? <laughs> We're talking, you can't do anything. And he's a government worker on this area, and you're like, that's yeah. where that's where he used to work. Yeah, so that's where he used to work. I, <laughs> well, he, he used to work Glade Top Trail right <laughs> yeah. next to it, yeah. which is, I don't know, t- oh, 10 gosh. or 20,000. I, I don't know. I think it's 50,000. Okay, it's a huge area. Right next to this area, this Hercules Glade. And so, like, we're we're really looking at a nationally national forest ran by the National Forest Service. U.S. Forest Service. U.S. Forest yeah. Service. And we're looking at... Glade Top Trail, which is not a wilderness area, and we're looking at Hercules Glade, which is a wilderness area. If you look on a map, pretty much side-by-side comparisons, exact same climate, exact same uh, landscapes, you know, history, ecosystems, everything. Just if you side went by back side. to 1600, 1700, 1800, 1900, they're going to be almost identical. Yeah. Now you go back... And I and and this is where I think uh, you know we're not really opening this up to say let's debate this out let's talk about this we're going to give it to you from a habitat standpoint of what we observed and our thoughts on this because you know the Wilderness Act we're not saying good bad negative neutral whatever I guess we are saying neutral there's going to be wilderness areas in the country where you're going to that we could go and say my gosh this is amazing this is beautiful well the and the reason for that is not every single landscape landscape had the same disturbances or disturbance intervals across the whole country yeah. we're we're managing two different things this part of the country was managed with grazing and fire and so the wilderness area hercules glade they do not purposely set fires i don't believe um it doesn't appear so um the 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 thing about this is is they can't run chainsaws they can't run bulldozers they can't put in fire lines this fire lines of course way too rocky for that anyway but the thing about it is they really can't do any kind of mechanical... They can't even t- drive four-wheelers back in on this place. It's untouched. It's untouched. It's yeah. 12,000 acres, a huge chunk, or 13,000 acres, that they really can't do anything other than take in mach- machetes and... Pick up trash in the uh, in the parking area. Yeah. That's pretty much it. And so it's very much like if you were to take a piece of your farm... It's a great example of going, okay, if you stop managing, what's going to happen? Well, And that's the whole purpose of the podcast. Again, it's not to debate you know, the wilderness versus national forest or whatever. It is to specifically highlight the point of active management and the necessity for active management on a property and on many of the landscapes that whitetail hunters persist in and, and where whitetails occur in. And so... This this podcast is to say, okay, here's a day, and and let's say the life of land and legacy. We went out to this area that was untouched, unmanipulated um, for many, many years, decades, and it's important for us to be able to share what we had seen out there on the property because it's drastically different from across the road where there is that key important factor of active management and when we paint this picture of the species present um, and maybe and perhaps the species that weren't present on some areas versus others it will be super important to and and very clear to see just the differences that these two areas have and and the reasons why you see a lot more hunters in one region versus (laughs) another region and the the game species that are there and it's it just became very clear that in the landscape and in the climate that this area falls in again not every wilderness area is like this not every landscape is like this but if you are in one that historically had lots of disturbances and when you look across the country many parts of the country i would say two thirds if not more most likely was either grazed or had fire on it on a routine basis, pre-settlement. So that encompasses an incredible amount of North America. So that is a good, let's say, preface of the discussion that we're going to have 
And again, when we start talking about what it was we were seeing, what we weren't seeing in wilderness versus the glade top area that's managed, it will become clear to you guys. So wilderness, we get there. Five five fifteen in the morning. There was one gentleman there camping. So yep. so good for him. He, Prim- uh, primitive camping. Primitive, yep. And uh so he, he was he was the only truck in the parking lot at first when we when we got there and well, I don't know. I think I think I hiked in it was like two point three miles. You were probably right there at the same the same distance. Just we kinda yeah. went in two miles, split off in the different ridges and said, All right, let's just try and cover some ground and See what the heck we see. Yeah, I don't know how far I hiked in. I do know when I got the truck, I'd walked eight miles. Yeah, yeah. So you had gone around a big loop and done kind of the north, um, the north northern loop, and I. That's what I cut south from so my area. You've got your little check-in station or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's what. As you, go, you as write your name, your address, head. or your your name and your zip code you're from, and how many people are in your party. So I I filled this in, and it asked what region you're going to be in, and I wrote all of it. Yeah, because the, the plan was to walk all uh, as much as I could. Well, and and that was that was the whole point of doing it though, because hey, we've got we've got a rifle in hand. Yep. What the heck? We could stumble across something awesome experience something cool we want to take advantage of that i mean it's the rut you never know what you're gonna see so big deer get killed out of this area a lot i mean they're not a lot lot but you do you definitely hear about it yeah they're there i I don't think many people a lot of people hunt this area but people per acre i don't think is it does not get i wouldn't say it has high hunter pressure no i i I don't think that at all there was you could drive down the road and see a lot of like campers and people like on the on the glade top side um that's not wilderness you could see a lot of that but at the same time when you look at all the vehicles and the amount of hunters that came in and then you look at the vast amount of acreage i'd say low pressure very low pressure and because there's some areas that you just have to flat i mean you're you're spending half a day to get in there yeah i mean pretty much full commit hike and, and yeah just to just be able to hunt and then what do you do after that? Just trying to get an animal out of there. So, I mean, it's pretty big. And but anyhow, we're just what the heck? Let's cover some ground, see what we see. And uh, the idea was to go and get to high ground and and put glades. our glasses up and and overlook glades as the sun was rising. Yeah. <laughs> and, Little uh, did we know that our plan was a great plan, but there was almost no way it was going to come true because of the amount of eastern red cedar. Yeah, unfortunately, and, and that's the thing, even even scouting, using aerial um, maps and everything, we knew, obviously, hey, some of these views might be a little, little obstructed, but that was the important thing of, of utilizing the mapping. What we saw, though, in the map... Uh, uh, um, I don't know when that picture was taken. That I aerial. was trying to look up. We we were, we I were zipping through using Onyx, and so like we knew it was a pretty pretty new yeah. image. But uh, Des- it, despite it being a relatively new image, when we actually got there and got kind of to the relative areas that we wanted to get at daylight, it was pretty obvious throughout the morning. We figured at bare minimum there was probably twenty percent more cedar actually boots on the ground than there was in this image and and we're looking at the image saying there that is not exactly accurate it's a way more choked out obstructed views and what we're looking at is overlooking a couple hundred acres of these glades that should be open and again vast views of these drainages and creeks and benches on these these south facing slopes west facing slopes but you just could not see that, and so right off the bat, as the sun was rising, it was like, "Well, uh, it's going to be I a lot see more a little bit, but hand-to-hand combat <laughs> than yeah. it is going to be long Fix range." Fix the bayonets, <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was, yeah. Well, and and it's sure enough, I just kind of I sat down a little bit of a ledge rock and and had a view. Um, I could see probably sixty, seventy yards out in front of me, and then actually across a big drain is probably three, four hundred foot elevation change and cross a big drain two hundred fifty to four hundred yards away was another glade I was kind of looking at just peering out across it to be able to see what you could see. Um 
So I had, I think I probably had a better view than what you did, Adam, from what you were saying. You, oh, you couldn't I, see that far. The first big glade I got to that morning, and it was just starting to kind of, the sun hadn't even come up yet. We were kind of in that sun, uh, that 30 minutes before. That haze, yeah. And it was like Dawn. pop out, and all I could see was 10-foot-tall cedar trees yeah. in front of me, completely around me. And it was like, I should be able to see yeah. miles to the west, and yep. I couldn't see it. Yeah, and, and and for some of the views, some of the the uh, ridge tops, yeah, you can see. I would I would assume thirty, forty, fifty miles. At you the can best. see into Arkansas and yeah. some of these. Uh, yep. you're supposed to anyway. Glade Top, there's plenty of vistas oh, yeah. set up in Glade Top Trail, which is the same east, uh, north, south, um, whatever latitude latitude yep. that you can see all the way in Arkansas. Yep. You're gonna have to find a very, you're gonna have to get to a very unique spot in in the Hercules Glade to see Arkansas. Yep. So so right off the bat there, it was it was okay. We're not dealing with uh with with exactly what we were hoping to find right off the bat. Um, but what I guess what does that mean though for for the landscape and for the ecosystem is as we have such delicate portions of the landscape that are that we want to protect that, that we know are, are limiting and that are host for rare endangered species, plant species, and, um, even, even some animals. And so we're looking over those, but knowing that in this system, in this 13,000 acre chunk, we're not, we're not getting there. We're actually going backwards. It's a, it's a downslide because in this area, the landscape, again, it is high interval, or let's say quick, you know, low time. What am I trying to say here? Not a lot of time in between the, the intervals of disturbances. So most times you don't have, you have a higher richness of biodiversity in the plants and animals that should be there, but we're not seeing that. Even no. even the grass species that were there, I did see little blue, switchgrass, big blue, Indian grass, side oats. oats. Purple, purple three on. Yep. But that was it, and, and and even the the thickness of the grasses on the slopes, which you would think full sun, this and that, and height wise was very poor. And we're talking like knee high switchgrass, knee high Indian grass, where other sites we can go really many other places. And they're and over, it's over your head. Over your head. It was a very arid, it got to almost a deserty feel. Like there was like, I mean, glades are naturally arid, but the the wilderness area, it was like. It was to a different degree though. It, it was, was like. Very dry. Level 10. Yeah. And, and not only that, it was just uh, one thing I want to point out, and I'll probably say it again in the podcast, but. There was not a single step that I took on the entire... I ended up walking 12 and a half miles that day. Not one single step where I couldn't stop and look around and not see 100 eastern red cedars. The understories of the oak stands. The We're talking north slopes where you should be seeing big, nice, white oaks. Yep. It was the understory with cedars. Or scattered cedars. That's that was or that areas was the where little saddles where you're like, man, this is gonna be. I'm looking at the air, aerial image, and this is gonna be a beautiful saddle. I'm gonna I'm gonna work my way into that, and I'm gonna set over that saddle, and I'll be able to shoot a hundred yards through there, or whatever. Negative. And you couldn't see fifty yards because of all the eastern red cedars. That, I found. I didn't know if I told you this. I found one little clump of whorled milkweed. Milkweed. Nope. And it was in the middle of a closed canopy uh, cedar really? patch. Huh. Yeah. Just struggling. Oh, it, it, there was one little seed pod yeah. popped up. Well, and that, that's the, that's the say, overall just disappointing thing of, okay, we have such a, such a, the potential of a rich, rich ecosystem that is quickly degrading. The idea is wonderful. We're going to take this 12,000 or 13,000 acre chunk and we're going to let it just sit as is and that's going to be the way nature intended it. 
Nature intended it to be burned. Nature intended it to be grazed. And neither one of those major disturbances are happening. And, and I know someone's going to say, well, no one's stopping it from burning. Correct. However, the landscape in general is not as susceptible to the responses of fire. And a lot of times they put it out. Yeah. But for, you know, because there are managed units around there and the landscape... Um, that you know, let's say surrounds these areas is a lot of fescue pasture, and so it's the area and the region just does not get those fires that they typically should, and so that is even though it is a wilderness area, man's influence still has an influence on that twelve thousand, thirteen thousand acres um, outside of its borders, and so we just don't see those disturbances and nature really acting as nature should in this landscape there's been too much change even though we haven't done anything and i think that's the important factor is sometimes we have to help nature along and that's that's the whole word of of restoration is we have to bring things back And, and if man has had such an impact on certain areas then we have to we have to restore it or get it back to that that point where nature can take over and run its course. Yeah. But if it's not in that state anymore, then it, we can't ask for nature to, to, to go back and fix all of our mistakes. That That's, that's the only way nature is going to fix that mistake. Ooh, it's going to be a catastrophic fire. It's going to be bad. Really and it's bad. a fire that's crowning out the cedar trees. It's going to kill a lot of the oaks. It's oh, going to kill a lot of the hardwoods. Yep. Um, and it would be bad. And it would be something or a major, you know, tornado rips through it too. And then a fire rips through it. Yep. Uh, it, it It's going to take. Series of events unless it's just an ungodly fire. Yeah. It, and, and But then at that point though too, to protect the investments of let's say all the private ground and all the work that the Forest Service has done on the Mark Twain just across the way. But there's there's no roads in there to try and stop, to try and fight it back. Trails. Yeah. You, you've got a goat path. Yeah. And, and and so this is the important factor that we're trying to make as we're kind of transitioning a little bit is you've got to have these things now in the present day landscapes. You have to be actively doing something or you're going to see it decline. So bad. Downhill. And, you know, in this case, it's eastern red cedar. Well, and Cerise Lespediza. Well, we'll get to that. But if you were to take... 12,000 acres and go to Indiana or Illinois, it's going to be bush honeysuckle or autumn olive. Yep. Uh, Or you go up to uh, Michigan and it may be all reeds canary grass. Yeah. Um, What's the one down in Florida, South Alabama, Georgia, something grass? It's sort of the sea, Corcoran grass or something like that? Colvin grass? I don't know. It starts with sea something. Someone will probably comment in, but. I mean, you it's go into hor- Arkansas, it's and it's going to be probably Chinese privet. Yeah. Um, and there's uh, it, that's the problem in 2019, 2020 soon, is preservation is not something that's w- going to continue to work due to the amount of human influence. If I were to just, even if I built a 20-foot wall around my entire farm, there's still going to be a lot of things getting in. Wind blows, and lo- there's a lot of wind-blown seed out there. And I can tell you exactly what would happen. It would be very similar to what's happened on the Hercules oh, Glade. it would be very similar. Cedars growing up, Cerisa Lespediza spreading, Johnson yep. grass spreading. Yep. And it would, be a, it would be a landscape of non-natives, invasives, and then aggressive natives. Yeah. And, and by the aggressive natives, it would be eastern red cedar. And, and the only thing stopping it would be fire. To get it back, and and no one would want to be around or beat your neighbor on that fire no. day. <laughs> I mean, I'd not not it. at all. Oof. But you know that, and that's that's the thing is we we can't forget about just the fact of timely disturbances and watching creation or Mother Nature advance itself, and then identifying or observing then how the wildlife respond to that. Did we see deer at Hercules Glade? Yes. Yeah. Honestly, we saw more than I thought we would. Yeah. Maybe we're just good. 
Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and it's the rut. Well, I mean, it's the rut, and we covered a <laughs> crap ton of miles. We saw a lot of acres. I think we ended up seeing 15 deer. Yeah. Uh, I saw turkeys, and I heard I saw a turkey a, get out of a tree. Uh, I saw a hog. Um, tons of squirrels. And I also saw armadillos, if we're speaking of non natives. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I actually saw where the hogs were rooting around in the glades. Oh, yeah. Hundred percent, which They're is not up. a great thing. Nope. nope. Um, and and so you've got many many things. You know, like if you were to just say, well, you could not. I would love to see the man who tried to argue that you could go to Hercules Glade and see what the landscape and say, yeah, this is what it looked like back in eighteen sixty. We we know for a fact that that's not the case. We know that it does not look and and even though it is a wilderness, does not rep, you know it's not a great example of it. No, truthfully, across the road where man has had its influence and has recreated the landscapes that were present by these uh, documented by these explorers across the road where where man is actually doing something same same people that are managing the yeah. US for or the, the yeah the US Forest Service are managing Laytop Trail. Yeah. They're doing huge amounts of cedar thinning, prescribed fire, and that's really what they're doing. That's they're it. they're doing some timber sales, yep. thinning some timber. Yep. Um, but for the most part they're cutting cedars and burning. And you could go right over there and I mean we're talking drool coming out of our our oh. Because it looks so good. It, and honestly, we just drove around kind of in the middle of the day looking at it and was like, boy, I don't know if you could ask for a better response vegetation-wise, cover-wise, forage-wise in the area than what you have right there on public ground, managed by the U.S. Forest Service, managed by fire, chainsaws, hard work. That's what you want to create. Conservation oh. versus? Preservation. Preservation. One thing I will say, um, when you look at, we're going to circle back now because we talked about the trails. The wilderness area had trails. So you could hike, ride horseback. They were just very, very... uh, Tell you what, I wouldn't have wanted to ride horseback, honestly, with those limbs slapping you in the face. Some of those trails were pretty narrow. And... uh, Definitely, you know, those trails are the main, the only place that you're going to see what looks like man being around. On this wilderness area, you're supposed to stick to the trails and leave it like it, I forget the terminology, what they use, but basically, um, you leave no trace. So it's supposed to be where you were there and there's no sign that you were there. So, minus your boot track. It, you couldn't take a four-wheeler in and ride around where there's a big trail. Um, and you create a trail, an erosion ditch. You can't you uh, can't trim limbs. You can't do anything like no, that. You're you just, can't pick flowers. You can't yeah. t- you can't even pick up rocks and take rocks back. What's that line? Don't don't even look at it. <laughs> yeah, don't touch it. Don't even look at. <laughs> don't it. even look at it, old man. And uh, ooh, sure is a nice <laughs> car. Yeah, don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Um, and so. Uh, you know, the, those trails are the one place where you're like, okay, man's been here. What did we notice about those trails? Well, walking in, you can't see nothing because it's pitch black, but walking back out. But we still out, noticed it. Oh, yeah. Because I flipped my flashlight on a few times, so I'm like, what? There's Cerisa. There's Cerisa Lespediza along the trails. But walking back out, it was, oh, my gosh. It yeah, was you where walked the same trail we walked in out. Yep. I did not. Where where man was walking, man was leaving his trace and transporting Cerise Lespediza into the wilderness, and it was just as definitive and just as easy and clear as it could be. As soon as you got off that trail, there were some portions where you could see Cerise um, popping up, but once you really got a couple hundred yards off of it, I didn't really see it. But as soon as you got back to where man was in the wilderness, we were leaving. Or man trace. spends more time in the wilderness. Yes, and and it's you know the traveling in your uh, laces of your boots and and you know, the tongues of your shoes. You get seed. You walk through somewhere. Hair and you drop of the it off horse. Here. Yep. Walk, or maybe a dog or something like that. Collars 
cargo shorts, whatever, you're transporting that around. And the the big the big takeaway is in this landscape, lack of disturbance and lack of let's say human pressure or presence did not equate to at all very visible, very clear, did not equate to sound habitat ecosystem period. It was the worst habitat we saw in that area driving around. Yes. Like even even places as crappy as some of the private ground was that was being overgrazed, it wasn't overran by cedars. Mm-hmm. At least I, the at least the occasional bush hog was keeping the cedars at bay and allowing what native grasses were in the area to grow up. I would um I would imagine that I guess as I was sitting there, it's like, you know, I wonder if it's like the governor or something like that. You know, this is just a fictitious trip. Oh, let's go see. Let's let's take the guy to some bigwig coming into town. Let's take him to Hercules Wilderness. And there's this big deal. And he knows a little bit about conservation. He's driving. He's like this buildup of driving through Mark Twain and seeing these glades. He's like, oh, my gosh. Wow, this This is going to be good. This is going to be so good when we get to the wilderness and then getting there and just being so disappointed. It's like, oh, Chad was telling me something like if there if there's a fire or anything where it's like man we really need to go in there to do something on that you have to go it's not like call up the boss they have to go all the way to DC to get approval to do anything oh wow yeah <laughs> that's DC. a whole different that's a whole different podcast there <laughs> yeah. I mean just the, that like, was the first mention Washington DC ever had in this <laughs> land let's uh, let's get the uh, <laughs> Let's go down and see the wonderful wilderness. That's and I. It wouldn't take y'all, but it wouldn't. It, it. The only reason we hunted there versus Glaytop was Glaytop allows four wheelers and things like that. So there's more hunting pressure over there. Plus, we wanted to see a we wanted, wilderness area. We wanted the comparison, and I'll, I'll share a story. So yeah, leave no trace. So you're not even allowed to put in fire rings. Yeah. And if you do, you have to scatter them back out. Like rocks. Did you see any so fire sure. rings? No. I saw two. Nope. Where, guess where they were? Middle of the woods. Like really? next to the next part of this story where so I took a big long walkabout and I am going along and I kinda hit an area. So there's defined trails. Use an on X so you can see the defined trails that that are set up for hiking and horseback riding. And all of a sudden I drop down in this valley or I'm dropping down into the valley, headed that way, and, and I hit a uh, I hit a trail mid-slope. And uh, I'm like, oh, what's this trail? And I look and there's flagging every 15 uh-huh. steps. Well, that's not supposed to be here. Well, and there's a you know, foot and a half ditch trench, yeah, six inches deep. I uh, finally get to a mud patch, and I, I already knew it, but it confirmed it. Horse tracks. Mm-hmm. Oh, somebody cut in a horse trail. They flagged it out. Yeah. That's a rule. That's breaking the rule. Tisk, They're tisk. leaving a trace. Yep. Okay. Well, um, horseback riders riding in, leaving a, putting up flagging. Go along. Fire ring. Oh, this is where they all stop to have, have their lunch. Another rule broken. Yep. And, uh... The whole time I was walking that trail, guess what was growing? Cerisa. Yep. Cerisa everywhere along this trail. I finally cut off, and, I, and I'm going down the hill, and I'm leaving that trail. I'm going along. I get into a pretty good little flat. Squirrels everywhere. I, so I knew there was acorns on the ground and deer probably in the area. There was a lot of fresh rubs and uh, some scrapes. And Going along, and I looked, and I'm like, what's that Cerisa doing growing over there? I walk over there to Cerisa, I'm like, Man, this is the middle of the woods. And I keep walking another 10 foot. There's another trail, horse trail, hmm. cutting through. And it was like, as soon as I found the Cerise, I looked around, and there's a trail. Yeah. Trail had Cerise all the way through it. And uh, it was just one of those, like, disgusting reminders that regardless of, of staying out or not, people are not abiding by the rules. And because of that, it's spreading an invasive species. It's causing erosion. Um, and it's and it's not appearing or showing the signs of a wilderness, um, and so that was kind of frustrating, uh, and 
a little bit irritating at the same time because of the amount of as we're big in soil soil quality and um, non-erosion issues with a no-till drill or no-tilling and uh, those other practices it was disgusting to see miles and miles of trails that were not supposed to be in there with a ditch running right through the middle of it mm-hmm. so um, that was kind of bad but um, you know yeah. he, the, the the biggest takeaway I guess and I hope that we try and project out there is if you are owning land Regardless of if you if you want to harvest a deer or harvest a turkey, whatever, it is a responsibility to educate yourself on that land, what should be occurring, what should be present, what should not be present, and do your best to promote the good and get rid of the bad. Again, it does it doesn't you don't have to be an avid hunter to do it. But as a landowner, there is that responsibility. I think we've probably shared on the podcast, but, you know, that uh, that phrase, the motto is, you know, we're not borrowing this. I mean, we're, we don't own this land. We're borrowing it from the children or something like yeah. that. I'm you not know, I'm not owning this land for my grandfather. I'm borrowing it for my children yeah. or something like that. And so we have to truthfully adopt that mindset of I I'm responsible for this. In this in this lifespan in this time frame whatever it is, but if I see these things happening, I need to address them. And me sitting back and just saying sometimes and and in a, again a lot of cases where disturbances are 100% natural. I think it's kind of like the Smoky Bear campaign is like, oh don't do this, don't touch this, don't do that. Uh, disturbances you. disturbances good. That is what we are trying to promote. That is what we are trying to say is the land is 100% healable. Like, it it does what it should do. You know, even if you had a catastrophic fire rip through this area, it's in way better shape and restored than what it is right now. That is the ability for, for this landscape to be able to care for itself it has to be in that state and so don't be afraid to to take that chainsaw out to graze um grasslands appropriately management is is actively doing something yes you should be educated on those practices and on those techniques because you can go too far you know there i mean all of it is on a spectrum what's what's the auto is is the the axe the um gosh cow the plow the cow plow the that gun was all and the match or something like yeah. that so those all were practices that were in many cases overused and destroyed land but those same tools that destroyed stuff and and changed the landscape can bring it straight back yeah and we just have to use those tools appropriately and wisely and not sit back on our heels and sit on our hands and just watch it waste away. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions is t- the idea that you're going to get somewhere when land management is not going to get somewhere. It's a constant going somewhere. I think that like we're always looking for like just like we want a role. We want we want the responsibility to to do something. And I think that there's a lot of people out there who are afraid to to pick up that torch and, and do something for fear of doing things wrong. And and I I appreciate their let's say knowledge of of hey, I know that I can do it wrong. But again, a lot of times if if you're sticking to the basic principles and and the science of your area and your landscape, you're probably not going to do damage to a, a landscape that isn't able to heal itself. So in most cases, go out and do something. If you don't have old field, early successional habitat for a long ways, well, it might just be a good thing to create that in yep. your given area. Or if everyone around you is closed canopy forest, might be a good idea to cut some trees. Yeah. To go out and pick an area that's got low quality timber and say, you know what? 
I'm going to restart this, and I'm going to put it all on the ground. If if everyone around you is grazing their pastures into the dirt and there's no wildlife to be seen, maybe you should be the guy to pick up the torch and say, I'm going to start rotationally grazing resting pastures. See what the heck happens. See how your cattle respond. See how the wildlife respond to Chances you and your are practices. Chances you're not going to be the coolest guy and the one they all look to. Not out of the gate. Out of the gate, for sure. Ten years I, I down the road, I guarantee you, guarantee you, you will have changed many mindsets in an area if you begin to do something that isn't currently being done in in your neighborhood. Because again, what we, ta- we started the whole podcast was with most times there's not good habitat management or practices occurring. So if you just choose to do the opposite in your given area, yeah. you're probably yeah. doing the right thing. Yeah, probably. If you're following the the, uh, the leader in, in, in the bunch there or in your neighborhood, yeah. um, and that's if what everyone else is doing. If your neighbor's <laughs> killing giant deer and he's consistently growing giant deer, you might look at him and say, okay, I wonder what he's doing. But if you're all sitting around hunting the same quality deer and you're going, man, I want something different, Make your farm different. <laughs> Offer something different. Yeah. So, anyway, hopefully you guys, uh, oh, man, I hope you guys have the chance to get out this uh, this remainder of this year um, and check out some public ground. You know, this is something that we're all in this together. We need to be advocating for our public lands, advocating for quality land management, assisting our our neighbors in understanding land management, understanding the importance of caring for species that aren't necessarily something that we go by tag for, um, caring for um, the ability to gain the knowledge to improve our landscape and manage them accordingly and not falling into fads and products and everything. We look at it from a holistic standpoint and say, let's manage this land and make it better for all of us involved. And I'll, sh- uh, I'll share this just real quick. This is a little snippet into probably what a podcast for next week, but talk with the gentleman um, today through text. And they've owned the property for a couple of years. We were out there a couple of years ago. Yeah. And to this day, he has not planted a food plot and focused solely on removing non-native species, fescue, and probably 20 acres of openings as well as getting a chainsaw running in the timber and has had the most incredible two seasons he has ever experienced. As and a they white had their first runner. sighting of a bobwhite quail. Yes. It can happen. It does happen. And we are here um, to share those stories. I, I'll be curious to know if he ever does plant a food plot. I, I don't – if. Considering seriously the success that him and his dad have had, and this is 100 and I think 60 acres, 155 maybe – why what's the need yeah it just you money. are you're killing it man yeah probably 12 different mature bucks in four weeks they saw saw that's incredible hunting. yeah so anyhow we'll, we'll cover that next week consulting but. season is getting ready to start guys you've been wonderful sending emails Oof. and messages yep if you are a guy waiting for a response please have a little patience we're freaking slammed right now with st- real estate stuff as well as consulting and and uh so if we don't get back with you right away we will be getting back with you soon and uh thank you so much for listening once again here's one thing we're so thankful for you guys it is thanksgiving week we can't even begin to express how thankful we are for you guys and sharing the podcast listening to the podcast talking about it with your friends um you know we started this podcast three years ago we had no idea it would turn into something like this we had no idea that we'd have people listening from different countries even and uh, had no idea how many acres or how many states we'd get to see with our consulting business even still young i mean we're three years into this it's it's incredible we cannot thank you guys enough so from the bottom of our hearts thank you so much and uh Matt, you had something about a hat. Yeah, we've got some hats getting ready to be available. Duck hats. Uh, Yes. We we, we got a a little sneak peek on that. A couple wood ducks on it. And uh, so we've got two color options coming in. One of them's not a mesh back, so you guys will be happy. Uh, One guy complained about being bald-headed and said the mesh (laughs) back getting burned. So um, we've got some uh, new hats coming too. And uh, we'll probably be doing a couple 
um, podcast, Real Estate Devoted, and we'll have another announcement in December, probably next week, releasing some new stuff that we're going to be offering um, within Land and Legacy. So, oh, go check out our Facebook group, Land, Wildlife, and Conservation Community. Yep. We've had it going for, I don't know, a year now, probably, close Rough, to a roughly. year. Um, there's quite a few guys on there, a lot of great interaction. So check yeah. it out. You guys can hear a lot of a lot of other client success stories and things like that. People who are follow along, following along, doing a lot of these practices, they're sharing some awesome stuff in there. So, guys, thanks so much for listening. Hope you guys have a beautiful and wonderful Thanksgiving. Yeah. <laughs>